Welcome to Textile Update, the podcast where we can share our passion for textiles, fibers, and yarns. This is Gwendolyn Hustvedt. In the second of three podcast episodes where I talk about non-yarn fabrication, we're going to be looking at, we're going to continue looking at ways to make these materials using fibers. We left off last time by just talking about felt, and that's partly because I was on a on a history kick and uh, felt is one of the non-yarn fabrics that has a great historical um, uh, history. I'm actually going to uh, skip right on to talk about the several other types of fabrics made from fibers uh, because in fact they have very descriptive names. Uh, if I tell you that something is called fiber fill or batting, right? This is uh, uh, bats of uh, uh, fibers that are used to fill things like quilts or comforters or pillows or quilted clothes. Uh, see what I mean, right? Not a bonded web, right? It's a web that's been bonded. It's not uh, super mysterious and actually not very his uh, historical either, really. Um, of course, we've used bats inside uh, garments and quilts for a long time. Uh, don't even get me started on quilt history uh, uh, because I'll, I'll take you back to, you know, uh, Renaissance Sicily and all that sort of thing. Um, but uh, using fibers to provide insulation is something that uh, that any, um, uh, you know, anybody who's built a log cabin knows that you need to do. Uh, but uh, uh, in this case, we're talking about the industrial production of, of fiber fill or also called batting. Let me talk a little bit about uh, how they work. Um, the purpose of fiber fill and batting is to provide thermal retention by trapping still air. Air is a poor conductor of heat and so uh, we know that for example metal is a good conductor of heat uh, and that wood is a bad conductor of heat and that's because the wood is filled with air. Um, and so if we can trap that layer of air inside something inside of our spacesuit for example uh, then we can um, end up with uh, a good thermal retention from the you know, utter cold of space, which is why uh, astronauts um, often end up looking like a, a little bit puffy, right? Uh, so we're going to take these fibers. Now to make a modern fiber filler batting, uh, or when referring to something as fiber fill, typically we're going with thermoplastic fibers. So texturized stapler filament fibers made from thermoplastic synthetics, uh, and uh, that way we can just ever so lightly heat them and have the fibers set together so that the bat doesn't fall apart. You can, of course, buy uh, wool, wool batting and cotton batting or rayon batting to use, or PLA batting, even polylactic acid batting, to use in the making of quilts, for example, uh, if for some reason uh, the synthetic isn't what you're looking for. Uh, so, uh, used in things like gloves and clothes, as I mentioned. Another category of uh, non yarn fabrics made from fibers would be a bonded web. Uh, we'll use some sort of adhesive to bond staple length fibers together. So we're not using heat and we, we have to bond them because they aren't thermoplastic. Uh, they will have a lower tenacity uh, because if the glue or resin or casein, which is a type of glue that comes from milk or starch, uh, which is a carbohydrate-based glue, if those uh, are um, washed away or removed for some reason, then the fibers simply aren't 
bonded anymore. Uh, we use this for uh, disposables, for example, in the medical setting, uh, the upholstery furniture understructure, right, uh, used to hide the springs and staples and wood and everything of the of the of the couch uh, that we might have gotten at Ikea, for example, uh, will be made with a bonded web because uh, you're not going to wash your couch, right? So if we happen to wash the starch or glue off, eh, no big deal. Now, in the case of interfacing used inside garments, right, then we might want to make sure that we've used some type of adhesive that is going to be durable because people are going to launder the, the garment. The interfacing is in there to give the garment structure to thicken up something like a collar to make it a bit stiffer. Although you could see if you've laundered something often, it will become soft. And part of that softness is the fibers that are being broken during laundering, but also because the uh, interfacing maybe have lost its glue and, and is basically slowly falling apart and turning into a kind of pulp inside the garment. Uh, let's see, another type of, uh, of material is called an apertured material. Uh, we're seeing quite a lot of this nowadays uh, being used in wipes of all sorts. So we uh, this will be made with, um, oh, you know, it can either be made with a, a synthetic or a regenerated cellulose material. And then we'll use uh, air or water jets, kind of like we use the needles and needle production, uh, needle felting, and will entangle and break the fibers. It creates a, a lacy uh, kind of a web, and uh, it has a very soft hand. Um, and it's used in these quote-unquote disposable wipes. Uh, you want to go ahead and just Google Fatberg, F-A-T-B-E-R-G. Yep, it's like an iceberg, only it's made out of grease from restaurant tra uh, traps that have been poured down the drain in um, enmeshed with um, disposable wipes that people have flushed down the toilet. Uh, you should never flush a wipe down a toilet. You should only ever flush approved paper down a toilet. The wipes will never come apart. This aperturing is not enough to actually, uh, I mean, it's enough to make a, a non a piece of fabric. You've just you've just flushed a piece of fabric down the toilet. It's not going to degrade. It's not going to come apart, right? The paper, yes. The piece of fabric, no. And so you end up creating a huge problem uh, for many cities. Uh, just like I said, Google Fatberg. I don't even want to get into it. I'm kind of throwing up in my mouth a little bit. The point is, there is no such thing as a flushable wipe. There is no such thing. Um, they're just lying. They're um, passing their uh, they're passing the buck, right? They're they're passing the buck to the city, to the taxpayers who have to pay to get these things out of the sewage system while they laugh all the way to the bank with the money that you've paid them for the product. Just no, just don't do it. Do not flush a wipe down a toilet. I say this is a textile expert. Oh boy. Okay. I mean, who doesn't love a nice face mask, but I wouldn't flush it down the toilet. All right. Uh, another way that we can hold all these fibers together, because we're still talking about uh, non-yarn fabrics that are made from fibers, is to uh, print the glue on the surface, right? And in fact, this is basically just a piece of paper that has the glue printed on it to make it a little bit sturdier. 
So if you've ever wondered why uh, disposable towels, paper towels, uh, will often brag about their quilting or have cutesy little designs, you know, um, uh, turkeys on them for Thanksgiving or teddy bears wearing pilgrim hats or something, um, it's because uh, they had to print something on the surface anyway. They were printing the glue. They might as well have made it cute or, or quilty looking while they were printing the glue on the surface of the paper just to make it a little bit more sturdy while you were using it to, to clean up your little mess. Uh, another way that we could um, hold those staple fibers together, uh, especially if we're going to have um, uh, very absorbent fibers that we don't want to put glue on because we want them to really soak things up. I'm thinking of medical disposables here. We might actually apply a film to one side and uh, melt the film a bit. So we still have one side that's the absorbent fiber like the rayon. The other side is this thermoplastic film. Gives us the added benefit that it prevents um, uh, moisture transfer, right? So you can um, you know, spit in the cup at the dentist and your saliva, your little dribble, right, that uh, goes down your chin and lands on the bib, won't soak through. It soaks into the bib, so nobody's just looking at a mouth glob, but it doesn't actually uh, soak through into your nice suit underneath, right? So um, that's uh, heat fused and that's a very handy uh, application. And finally, uh, and this is when I saved, uh, well, no, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, synthetic suede in a second. But uh, uh, finally, I've saved spun bonded for last because this one, it's just obvious when we think about it. Those filament fibers that we extruded that were all hot and needed to be cooled down, what happens if we just tangle them up while we're extruding them? What happens if we actually take that spinneret and we shake it back and forth and spray those fibers that are being extruded onto a huge greased sheet of metal, right, uh, that they aren't going to stick to, but they stick to each other? We create uh, spun-bonded materials. And in fact, spun-bonded olefin can be produced in such huge quantities that will wrap houses in it. So Tyvek brand house wrap is made from olefin that's been spun bonded. Uh, because the fibers are a little bit warm, as they cool, they stick together, right? So we end up with a very tenacious material that has teeny tiny little pores in it because it's not a whole solid sheet. And the little teeny tiny pores, especially if we have a fabric, a fiber such as olefin that's so intensely hydrophobic, will allow the um, uh, subtle wick wicking of moisture vapor through those tiny pores. So that is the, uh, the um, main methods of um, producing um, and then naming, you just name it after the method you use to produce it, uh, non-yarn fabrics that are made from fibers. I want to talk just briefly about a, a special one um, because it's really kind of cool. So synthetic suede. I'm going to talk a bit more about leather in the next episode, but uh, for people who want something that has some of the properties of leather, so uh, it definitely has a, a feeling of sponginess, right? Um, so it has a very unique hand um, and uh, uh, it has some uh, waterproofing, right? Some great water properties. Uh, so the way that we make synthetic suede is we take a bicomponent fiber, a fiber that's uh, basically made from both nylon and polyester filaments that have been extruded together into one fiber. And so we'll have the uh, 
uh, nylon be the majority of it, right? And then we'll have smaller strands of the polyester inside the larger nylon filament. We'll needle punch uh, fibers of these um, nylon and polyester bicomponent fibers. We'll needle punch them. And what this does is it creates the fibril structure. This is the technical anatomical name for the layer of fibers that is below the surface of a skin. Uh, and uh, some uh, people are bothered when this fibril structure uh, uh, is um, tight in certain spots and creates kind of little puckers on the surface of the skin. We call it cellulite, um, which isn't very descriptive actually, um, but it's being created by the, by the fibril structure. And uh, so we'll, we'll needle punch these fibers to make a, basically a, a, a needle punched felt and we'll have tangled the fibers all together and um, made something that's fairly sturdy. But at that point, we'll impregnate the whole thing with polyurethane so that we end up with a, a layer of polyurethane in the middle of this needle punched um, bicomponent felt um, that is kind of like a skin. Right, so a suede has a brushed surface. We brush the fibrils to make the suede on the surface soft, and but then we notice that the suede definitely has like a um, is very flexible, very tough, has great dimensional stability, and that's what the polyurethane provides. And then our last step is to use acid to dissolve the nylon. So suddenly every large fiber that had smaller fibers, fibers inside of it that's all tangled and punched together now becomes just the smaller fiber. So we instantly create tons of air inside of the fabric. And this creates the space and the texture that we associate with suede. It can be dyed and napped at that point and it will resemble, well, whatever color suede you need. Uh, I have some synthetic suede that I was just processing as part of my little, um, you know, uh, cutting scraps to get them ready to quilt. And I'd forgotten when I picked it up, I did kind of low light. I wasn't paying attention and I'd forgotten that it was synthetic suede and I went to iron it to flatten it and I felt the iron stick, right? Because it's actually made from polyester, it's thermoplastic. And so I unfortunately have a little fused area on the surface of this synthetic suede. Wouldn't have happened with leather. Not that it's good to iron suede, real suede, um, but it wouldn't have melted. Um, fortunately, I got the iron off right away and was able to brush the surface and, and just simply brush off the, the, um, uh, the slightly melted parts and I think I'll still be able to use it for something. So that's kind of a kind of a cool innovation where we we said let's go ahead and make uh, some material that has the properties of leather but without the whole you know animal uh, <laughs> involved and uh, so synthetic suede is an example of innovation in non-yarn materials. In the next episode I am going to talk about uh, fabrics from solutions and fabrics from natural sources.